another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's Bible study. I hope you are well. I hope God is blessing in your life and so much is going on for you. I pray that um, you are constantly uh, renewing your mind daily, and as you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can apply the Word of God in our lives and also so that we can learn the purpose of our lives. And today we're going to do a really uh, special Bible study because I think that we've had lots of conversations um, about what it means to, you know, sort of reach out to others and the ministry in terms of ministering to believers and, you know, um, ministering to um, those outside of the faith, but I want us to kind of um, look inward for just a moment, and that is what we're going to do today. We're going to read in Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to read verse 34 to 40. It's going to be Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40, and I want you to read this with um, new eyes. I want you to see what God is saying. Uh, what Christ is saying in uh, this scripture. So let's get started. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets." Now, we've read this a lot of times, we really have, and it's just such a warm and comforting idea that all of the law can be hung on these two laws. Lots of believers think that they are fulfilling the mandate of God when they haven't completed the second greatest commandment concerning themselves. And that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? The truth is that a lot of times we think that we are being loving because we are doing these particular acts toward other people and toward those outside of the faith, but we haven't really taken the time to consider whether we are truly applying that because remember, the mandate to love your neighbor is actually predicated. It's based on, it's foundationally set upon you loving them as you love yourself, okay? So a lot of believers, and I'm going to include myself in it because I think we're all on a path of learning. And so in learning more about this, we have to start looking also inwardly. It's easy to see love as this thing that we shower on God and on others. It's often said in churches to kind of love on our brother. And this is absolutely good and right. But many of us have not mastered loving ourselves well. We have not cultivated a healthy and biblical relationship with ourselves. 
And I know this sounds kind of, you know, I don't know if anyone's had this conversation with you before and I'm not intending for it to sound radical or anything, but I do want you to take a moment to think about your relationship with yourself, your love relationship with yourself. How do you love you? You see, and 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 if you don't think that a relationship with yourself is possible, I want you to consider what it says about David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Now we're going to read that in just a second, but I want to clarify something here. I'm not talking about you marrying yourself, these new age ideas. I'm talking about what real love is toward oneself. What does that really mean? That is a relationship. If you can love God, if you can love another human being and that requires some relational capacity, then you have to start thinking about the relational capacity you have with yourself. Because let's all be honest, we all have an internal dialogue. We all have an internal little meter. And that's why some people can't be alone, is because that internal meter hates them. That internal dialogue hates them because that's the relationship that they really have with themselves. And so I want to show you 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it's going to be verse 6. If you can read with me. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You see, this scripture is very clear that David is having a dialogue with himself. He's not just encouraging himself, he's encouraging himself in the Lord. So he's bringing God into that moment, into that relationship with himself. And you've heard it many times that sometimes you have to preach your own sermon to yourself. And I'm sure if you've been a Christian for more than three days, okay, more than three years, then you've had to encourage yourself. Remember what I said about how people have an internal dialogue that's sometimes self-defeating, that it sometimes hates them, it's telling them horrible things? That's because that is the true relationship that they have with themselves. And I am showing you right here that when you're loving yourself, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it shows David encouraging himself in the Lord. It didn't say someone else encouraged him, a friend encouraged him, you know, one of his soldiers came and encouraged him. It says David encouraged himself. And so you have to have a relationship of love toward yourself. Now, if you can remember, God said, In terms of defining loving him, he defined it as obeying his commandments. And we read that in John chapter 14, verse 15 and 21. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the simplest way that we love God. But it's also how we love ourselves and others. Not just God, not just others, but also ourselves. We obey his commandments toward man but also toward ourselves. This is why the lawyer could not reply. And I'm going to show you why, you know, Christ is just so amazing. God, of course, he's God, you know, he's omniscient. He's, 
you know, there's no wisdom or knowledge against him. So the answers he gave were just so critical. And this is why that lawyer could not reply. You think it's because, you know, maybe he couldn't argue that there were some other laws in there that were important? No, I'm going to tell you why he could not reply. You see, the underlying point in Christ's reply was obedience. Obedience. And in terms of any law, I don't care what that law is. I don't care what country it is, what nation it is. I don't care where you're at. If it's just a rule in a daycare center, whether it's a law of mankind or a law of the flesh or even the law of love, which we're talking about now, in order for it to work, it requires obedience. And that's literally what he was saying when he talked about those two greatest laws. He talked about the obedience of love. What love, if you love, this is what you will do. And that is something that the lawyer could not argue against because the whole point of a lawyer is ensuring that people comply with the law or that you comply with the law. Or another word for comply is obedience. And so behind the idea of love is this obedience to God and what he wants for our lives. So how have you demonstrated the love of God toward yourself? That is what I want to ask you. I want you to think about it, okay? Because this is really very important. It's really very important, you know, because in terms of the law, we have to understand that obedience to God's word is submission to him and his will. And so when we think about that, we must apply that love, that exact same idea to how we treat, how we act, think, and be toward our own selves. So how have you demonstrated the love of God toward yourself? You know, we often quote 1 Corinthians when we think of that love toward God and others. But are we actually applying that to ourselves? Let's look at that scripture briefly. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 and 8. You know it, I know it, but we're going to read it. So bear with me. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth it not itself, is not puffed up, doesn't behave itself unseemingly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails." But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where they, there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You see, my friend, how have you suffered long with yourself? See, God is long-suffering, but many of us are impatient and agitated with our own progress in life, career, relationship, family, and children. We're not applying God's law of love to our own lives. Are you generous to yourself? Are you thoughtful and kind to yourself? I can bet with absolute certainty, and I mean absolute certainty, if you haven't done these things with yourself, you cannot perform them well for someone else. I don't care. You can, you know, a lot of people, and I mean, this is unfortunate, is we take our cues from society. And so we think, oh, this is what love means. It means by presence. You know, if I'm a man, it means I do this. If I'm a woman, it means I do this. If I'm a child, it means I do this. Whatever our station in life, 
Society tells us what it means, but God is telling us right here what it means in demonstration. And so a lot of times we're being performative in our love and not in an actual authentic sort of way. You see, some people errantly complain about other people's behavior toward them in marriage, in friendship, even in familiar relationships, but often they have not considered that the person's true manner of life is actually what they're seeing. That person likely has the same attitude about themselves. You're not going to find someone who mistreats others and doesn't mistreat himself. I don't care what you tell me. That's just a fact. If someone mistreats others, I promise you they mistreat themselves because there is a law in place here. God just told us that these were the two greatest laws. And so in terms of laws that God has put into the earth, if it requires Think about this. If it requires that you love yourself in order for you to love your neighbor correctly, if you're not able to love yourself, then it means you can't love your neighbor correctly. So it's important to understand these concepts and the earth that God has there. Some people say, oh, this person loves themselves because, well, they indulge it every chance. overeat, they sleep around, they want to be first always, but I want to challenge you with something. That is not love. That is not love. This is why love bombing in our society seems to work so well in these new modern chaotic romances. It works because you're not really being good to yourself. And overindulgence does not mean you're actually being good to yourself. And that's really the confusion that we have in the world. You know, when we feel that, oh, I'm going to indulge in something. I'm going to indulge in, you know, some food. I'm going to indulge in sex. I'm going to indulge in some drugs. I'm going to indulge in some alcohol. We don't really love ourselves because if you did, you would not do that. It means you are not being good to yourself. It means you are not being kind to your body and your mind. Let's be honest. Some people are downright cruel to their mind. You see, because loving yourself means having boundaries, limits to what you will do or say, limits to how you behave. It means being careful with yourself. Have you ever heard the term of kid gloves? It means you're acting with care towards yourself. God's word sets down boundaries and these boundaries protect us because he loves us. If you love something, you protect it. The most protected things in the world are behind 10 feet of concrete and steel. People don't put, you know, special diamonds and pearls inside of, you know, um, foil packages and brown paper sacks. They put them inside of huge safes that are hidden down into the earth. They have guards around them. They use armored trucks to move them about. Do you see all the boundaries that have been created? They create a perimeter just to move it from the building into the truck or from the truck to the building. They do that because of the value and because of the care for it. And if you don't have boundaries, how can you truly say you love something? And if you don't have boundaries for yourself, 
how can you truly say you love yourself? You see, even his love sets down boundaries that protect us. Let's just look at 1 Corinthians. I'm going to pull out 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And we're going to look at these boundaries he puts down in what he describes as love. He says, does not behave itself unseemingly. That sounds like a boundary. It seeks not her own. So that's putting a, a, a boundary there. Is not e- easily provoked. Thinks no evil. That, that means it's putting a boundary there. Think no evil. So that means I have to stop something from going on in my head that may be going on there. Yes, because boundaries are necessary to protect things that you love. And in where there are no boundaries, there is no love. Where there are no boundaries, there is no love. That is why some people will argue, oh, I I love this person, but they have no boundaries. They don't respect that person. They don't take care of that person. They're not looking that per That's not love. That's not love. And there is a clear example of boundaries for the soul, the mind, and the heart. The Bible says that we are sometimes, you know, in the past, full of malice. It says that in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, and this is really very important for us to understand. And I want to read this because it's telling us something about the old manner of life as an unbeliever versus the new manner of life as a believer who loves himself, his neighbor as himself. Let's read Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. You see, God wants us at a place where we can be obedient, even if what we do seems to be unwanted by some, that we are acting out of obedience and we're not acting out of malice. We're not acting out of lust or deceit because these things destroy us. These things are things that break through our boundaries. When you live in malice and you're always angry at people and you're always doing honorary and evil things, don't you think that's destroying the beautiful life God wants you to have? Don't you think that's an unloving way to live in strife and deceit? And confusion. You see, these prevent us from having the peace of God and the harmony of his love. You just simply can't have it living that way. Love is not just for others. It's for you too. We cannot truly grow in love towards others correctly if we are not growing in that same manner toward ourselves. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself or in the same manner and measure as you love yourself and we can read that in Matthew chapter 22 verses 38 to 40 but also I want you to know what Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 5 and 7 that's Proverbs chapter 27 verse 5 and 7 says that open rebuke is better than secret love love must be lived and practice to be relevant. So what that means is loving someone without any evidence of it is useless. It's absolutely useless for me to say, you know, I love orphans living in Afghanistan if I do nothing about it. What's the point? You know, I just feel warm feelings about them. That's not the point. You see, at least when you openly correct someone, you actually alleviate a problem. 
you might help them to become better. You obviously alleviate whatever problem is happening because you were able to rebuke. So if you say you love yourself and there is no evidence of it, how can we know you have love to even love someone else well? I mean, that's really the bottom line. You know, lots of people are lining up to say they love someone, but they're not even evidencing that love toward themselves, in self-control, in peace of mind, in things that they say, in the way that they live their life. Consider this. We did a Bible study. Um, we, we, we did a Bible study. I want you to get a chance to look at it. And it really talks about, you know, doing things because of others, whether you're doing those things because you're afraid or you're doing those things because you're a people pleaser or, you know, it's for pride or whatever reason. It's not coming from a genuine place where you're doing it because of God. Um, we read a text, and in that text is in Ezra chapter 3, verse 3, and I'm going to read that to you right now. It says, And they set the altar upon his basis, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries. And they offered burnt offerings there unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. So this shows people acting to administer the temple from a motivation of the fear of people, of others, not because they loved God and wanted to serve him. I'm sure some maybe did, but this is what happens when we attempt to love others and we have not done the same for ourselves. Some women and men, they dote on each other because they think that's what the other one wants because they have never really loved themselves. They don't truly even know what love is. It's why love is so sweet at the beginning, but so bitter at the end. It's why marriages fall apart. It's because love was never really known or demonstrated. And I'm going to say, you know, many people don't know what love truly is. And I can say, honestly, I remember when I was a kid, I received such great love, like the love that I was shown as a child in demonstration, in deed. And I thank God because, you know, you know, my, the, 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 the people in my life were Christians. They were really, truly believers. And so that allowed me to see what demonstrated love is. And so I think that, you know, having that great love it grows over time. I know that love gets stronger over time. It doesn't decrease. And so when you show me a picture of two people and the love decreases, or we fell out of love, I'm going to argue maybe you were never there before. Maybe you never really had it because love doesn't decrease. It increases, you know, and it has become greater than I've ever imagined in terms of my love for people that I have known. My love doesn't wane, it grows. You know, you're in my life and I love you and that love continues to grow. And teaching your children how to love is one of the greatest gifts they can receive from you because real love grows and it becomes greater over time. And when they learn that, they won't be deceived by love bombers and people who profess that they love them and people that do one thing and say another and it won't be a confusion for them. They'll know who truly has love and who doesn't. It'll be pretty evident because they have seen the authentic thing. It's kind of like the way that people determine counterfeit money you know, from the real money. They don't study the counterfeit 
They study the real money so they can always tell when they see a counterfeit. And that's what God wants us to do. And that's the only way you're going to be able to love another person is if you have practiced that real, authentic love yourself. And so if that deep 1 Corinthians chapter 13 love is not demonstrated in your love toward yourself, how will anyone know that you can cultivate a love for them that grows outward to others? You cannot complete the love mandate if you're not loving yourself just as deeply. You will be acting out of the fear of the people, out of society, you know, what society tells you love is or what you've seen in your household, which, you know, depending on your parents or the people that were in your life, you may not have been loved at all or seen love at all. So here's the question I want to ask you, because we're talking about loving ourselves because that's the only way we're gonna love our brother. Do you abuse your own body? Are you taking care of yourself? Do you provide enough food in the right kind? Do you take care of your emotions and your soul? That is, do you, to watch what comes into your eyes and your ears? Lately, there's been this plethora of sort of female hate content that you know just seems to grow. And the shock that I find more than any of the content is that women actually continue to listen to this. They listen to it. This demonstrates that these women do not love themselves enough to turn off something toxic to their soul. And I could just use this. This is not a large thing in society, but it is something going on in Western society. But I have to say that there are equally other things that we do without turning off the toxicity. If it's toxic, why are you engaging in it? Why are you letting it tamper with your soul? And what man truly hates a woman? If we just go back to the other argument so that I can kind of bring things full circle, what man truly hated a woman? If he hates the woman, then he hates himself because woman came from man. Let's look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. 29. See, God is very clear on everything. He doesn't let anybody get off the hook because remember, everything is predicated on that idea of there being a first and greatest commandment of loving the Lord with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one, which is loving your neighbor in the same manner as yourself. And so we see this then in scripture and underscored in scripture. It says in Ephesians 5:29, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. Think about that. It's just right there in plain black and white, people. (laughs) Plain black and white. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it even as the Lord the church. Does a man hate his wife? He hates himself. Think about that. Do you hate your neighbor? I promise you hate yourself. I promise it. Do you do something evil to your neighbor? Then you do something evil to yourself. You see, there are concepts of true self-love that protect us from those who are truly at war with themselves. Because let's be honest, people who hate others are at war with themselves. People who act to hurt others for no reason, person hasn't done anything to them, they're at war with themselves. 
If a man can't love his fellow women, he probably doesn't love himself. And the same for women. Love is not romance. It is a commitment to be right by someone and seek their highest good. Are you committed to be right by yourself and to seek your highest good, not your highest want or your highest pleasure, but your highest good? God requires it. That is what love is. That's the only way you're going to be able to demonstrate it. And it is the only way you can love another truly and authentically. Do you abuse your body, your mind, or your soul in some way? Are you careful for what you do in, to, and with your body? Are you careful and seeking the highest good for what you watch, listen to, or read? You see, you cannot love your neighbor as you love yourself if you don't love yourself. It's time every day and in every moment to be deliberate about truly loving yourself. I want to challenge you today. This loving yourself is going to deliver you from some things you thought were bad habits or the flesh that were really a result of you not loving you and in a real way. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray this Bible study blesses you. You take the time to really sort of go over these scriptures and meditate on them. Find out what it really means to love yourself. It is the only way you can love another. I promise it. Don't go into a relationship. Don't get married. Don't have any kids. And please don't get any friends or seek to help out in any type of volunteering and donations or whatever until you learn to love yourself. Because you'll never know how to love another until you first do it for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I pray God blesses you and you continue to grow in the word. God bless. Bye.